Good evening, everyone. If you have your Bibles, would you please turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he, being dead, yet speaketh. And by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found, because God had translated him, for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And by faith Noah, being warned of God of the things which, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and be, and became heir of, of the righteousness which is by faith. And by faith Abraham. When he was called to go out into a place which he should, after received for an inheritance, obeyed, he went out, not knowing whether he went. And by faith he sojourned in a land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of the child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promise. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and of the sand which is by the sea shore innumerable. These all died in faith, not, re- not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, embraced them, and confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. For they that said such things declared plainly that they seek a country, and truly, if they, had seen, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Let's stand and pray together. Father, I just pray for us tonight, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say. Father, as we look at this subject of faith, I know there's some strange teachings out there today, Lord, trying to tell us what really faith is. But Lord, our hearts desire just the truth of your word. We don't care what man has to say about this subject. We want to know what you have to say about it. And then if we just get a, 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 a grasp on it, God, that we would live by it. So I pray, Father, that again, that you would help us to set aside any obstacles that we might have before us. That, God, you would give us a heart so open to receive your word that when we leave here tonight, it'll be with us permanently. Faith, Lord. We just want your ideas about it. So again, we ask for your anointing upon our minds and our hearts to receive the truth of your word. We love you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said together, amen.
You know, when I uh, became a Christian, I didn't have one idea at all about what really biblical faith was. You know, I, I you know I, I heard my brother say I just needed faith, and you know some of the other people that were saved during the Jesus People movement they were talking about faith, and uh, but I really didn't have that that knowledge of what true faith was. Then later on, as after I gave my heart to the Lord, I, I you know I realized that. I had just enough faith to believe who he said he was. In fact, that's exactly what the Bible teaches, that to every, each and every one of us, God has given us a measure of faith to believe, even when we were um, without him. That somehow through the witnessing of family, friends, through situations, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we had enough faith just to believe, man, I'm not all that. And I am a sinner and I need to be saved. Without that measure of faith, we would still be caught in the trespasses of our sin. So a good prayer is to pray for people. God, please give them that measure of faith. Amen, guys? And, um, but then after we become Christians and we, and we, you know, we, we're aware that God give us, gives us this measure of faith, then others will come along and then maybe through teachings or books, they start to dis- distort what really faith is. And, and for most part of Christendom today, it's, been, it's my opinion that the church has a distorted view of what real faith is. It really does. You and I exercise faith every day. Did you, you realize that? In fact, you, you are exercising faith right now. You came in, you sat down on that seat, you know, and, and, and you never once questioned whether it was going to hold you. I didn't see anyone take the chair out, check the screws, make sure it was all tightly, you know, and that you would be able to put your faith in whoever made that chair, right? And some of us, you're putting great faith that this beam that's over your head is going to stay up. And all you've, you've put faith in the architects and the engineer, right? We put faith in our cars, that when we jump in it, that it, we're going to be able to start it and take us from one point to another point, right? I have a lot of faith when I jump on my motorcycle. Trust me, you know. There is a four, there's a four-inch pin that's made out of a particular metal that holds my front wheel together. It's called the front axle. I put a great faith in that, you know. Um, and I never once questioned it, at least not yet. And um, so we all do. But, you know, so, for some reason... You and I get pulled into pardon, into question, in a good way, to question, do we really have true faith in, in God? True faith that he has us. True faith that he's carrying us. True faith that when everything does go wrong, will we have enough faith to go from one day to another day, right? And, and one of the errors that is in Christendom today is faith, we have faith in faith. That if we have enough faith, then we'll be able to get through this trial. How many times have we heard that? If we have enough faith, we'll be able to get over this hurdle or that hurdle. We'll be able to get. But actually what they're saying in essence is if I have enough faith in my faith, I'll be able to get through it. And that is not biblical faith whatsoever. Not, not a, it, you know, there was this guy way back when I first got saved. And man, we weren't, we didn't have a church. We just would go to these um, these um, tent revival meetings. And there was one particular guy that I kind of was attracted to. He was just a kind of an old Southern evangel, uh, evangelist. And he had all these really quirky little sayings. And one of them was, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God, right? Now, I do have, I do have a need, for my faith in God. But the other part that's so wrong is you don't have any problems, you know, but, if, you know, because he had a, a really wrong view on faith, he, he almost preached that thing like as if it was a, a, a gospel. You don't have any problems because all you need is faith in God. Well, no, the reason I, I need faith in God is because I've got a, pro, a lot of problems. Anybody here don't have problems? Raise your hands. I love want to meet you, you know. And then again, the, the whole error, is, it, pardon me, very erroneous. There's this thing that if you have enough faith, you can become your own little God, and then you can, you you can almost dictate your dictate your destiny and and claim it, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, you know. And 
But all you need is faith. It's, again, that is not biblical, biblical faith. Now, you know, um, again, this is just by the way of intro, but, um, you know, biblical faith is be knowing that God has you no matter what you find yourself in, no matter what storm you might find yourself in, no matter, and I don't want to just be on the negative side of things, no matter even in your victory moments, victorious moments, you still need faith in, in God that he's going to carry you through it. Amen, guys? So... Um, I, I, I'm reminded of a, a story that I read years ago, and I, I dredged it up out of my old archives. But a story was told that, a, that there was a pass, the passengers of a vessel steaming along the St. Lawrence um, River. And this passenger became very angry because in spite of the very heavy fog circulating the boat, the boat kept going full speed ahead. And so um, at last, um, he finally went to the first mate there and complained that if they kept this speed up, um, they were going to be destroyed and, and shipwreck. And so the first mate said this, oh, don't be afraid. The fog uh, lies low and the captain is high above it and can see exactly where we're going. And uh, his quote out of this article was, are you tempted to complain of the way that your captain is leading you because um, that he can't see the end? He declares to you that he's way above all your troubles or even your trials. And that is biblical faith, that no matter what you find yourself in, it might be a little foggy and you can't see it, but that captain is high above all our cloudiness and he's able to see that from the beginning to the end and he's got us in his hand now listen that's easy to read this little article that i dredged up and say yeah that's the way but i just came through a storm and things were very foggy for about three years and it was one day at a time where i would wake up and say god you've got to take this day because right now i i don't feel like anything anything's together at all and so, um, but that's biblical faith, not to sit in the midst of your fog saying, oh, I can see clearly now, you know, because why? Because I named it, I claimed it, I blabbed it, I grabbed it. I'm not going to confess a fog. I'm not going to confess a darkness. I'm not going to confess this. And again, that is not true biblical faith. You know, biblical faith is just knowing that God has you from one moment to another moment and, um, um, I'm looking at another one I had just dredged up. Oh, you know, um, Jesus said, unless you have the faith of a little child, right? That again, faith as a child and a child just simply believes that God has this, right? You, you can t declare the John chapter one, that in the beginning was the, was, was the word and the word became flesh and dwelt among the word you know created what you could tell a child that and they don't even second guess you they just believe it they throw throw up a flannel graph of something and these kids will gra gravitate but when we become parents or become older in our faith we begin to doubt more that's what i've learned the older i get in the lord the more i wrestle with doubt i do but i i don't know if you know the reverend george grubb he wrote a book years ago and the book was called uh, What God Has Wrought. And he puts this in one of his chapters. He says, uh, during one of his campaign, he enters into a little tent. Or, no, I'm sorry, he enters into a tent a little earlier than usual. And he finds an attendant there walking up and down the rows between the seats. And so Mr. Grubb says, what on earth are you doing? And he goes, I'm, well, I'm claiming all the people who sit in the seats tonight for Jesus. For God said that every place that... The sole of your feet shall tread upon that I have even given it unto you. So I'm walking up and down these aisles just claiming these seats for Jesus. Now, you, someone that's older in the Lord might look at that as somewhat elementary. But I'll tell you what, that was a verse that God laid in on this man's heart. And for before Mr. Grubb got in there to preach, he was claiming every soul in that tent. Childlike? Yes, indeed. You know, and it's not God t challenging us to be childlike in our faith. Now we finally reach chapter 11 here and a lot of people call it the hall of faith. 
And, um, and the reason why a lot of people claim that this is Pauline, in other words, this is a, a, an epistle that Paul the Apostle wrote. Um, again, there's the arguments, pros and cons. But the way this, this book is laid out is definitely the way Paul laid out some of his other epistles. In other words, Paul the Apostle normally would have an introduction, you know, a statement of purpose, a body of teaching, and a closing. But that body of teaching would be a doctrinal position that they were to embrace and to adhere to and not let go. And it's exactly what we find in the first 10 chapters of Hebrews here. We find a doctrinal position. In fact, if you just kind of glance in your Bibles for a second and you look at the last two verses of chapter 10, he's talking about the justice should be uh, should live by faith and he was or she is to hold on to that truth that's how he ended that position now remember the flow of this book and the reason why this letter was written was because many left abandoned that biblical truth and that is the just shall live by faith in Christ and what he's done And what was happening again in that early church in that area of Jerusalem, they are gravitating back to a legalistic system. And Paul the Apostle, if he is the author here, he's saying, no, our position is in Christ under a new order. We're no longer under the order of the the Aaronic order, the, the Levites. Now we're under the order of Melchizedek, which was some believe a Christophany in the Old Testament of Jesus. We are under the new order of Jesus. And that order and, and what we're to embrace is the just, that those who are justified by faith needs to hang on to that. The just shall live by faith and faith only. And again, something very important to this uh, author. Uh, and so after that, though, after the first 10 chapters, he goes right into an exhortation in chapters 11 through 13. And when you look at this, and again, the reason why many believe this is Pauline in nature is because it, is, it speaks of virtues in these last three uh, chapters you have the virtue of faith, hope, and love. Chapter eleven talks about a walk of faith. Chapter twelve is wisdom of hope, and then chapter thirteen is the way of love. And so again, faith, hope, and love. And if you gravitate again back to First uh, Corinthians thirteen, he says, "Hey, the virtues are faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Of love." And so uh, as we go into this now, this chapter 11, what we're talking about is a walk of faith and what it really looks like. What is real, true and genuine faith? And uh, again, I'm probably repeating myself way too much about reminding you over and over the nature of this letter. And again, if you keep that in mind, you will never take this this book, the book of Hebrews, out of context. You will never have another problem with it if you keep the context of the book, the reason why it was written. You know, back when we first started a few months ago, we, we went through some of those heavy verses that a lot of people will use and manipulate for their own purpose. And that is, once you've been enlightened, once you've tasted those things from heaven, and once you, and if you leave that, then there is no repentance for you. And people will use that to f- just to frighten their churches and frighten people. Like, you, you know, you better watch it and not turn. You better get up to the altar and pray again or God's going to just wipe you out. It's just taking this book so out of context. And again, uh, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, again, as a reminder, God has never, never, and I say this with great emphasis, never has given anyone the, uh, the right to take him out of context. You know how you feel when you're misquoted or you're taken out of context and then, the, then somehow you're slandered by what you're saying. You just want to turn around and defend yourself and go, well, that's not what I meant. Imagine God. You know, how many times people will take something out of the Bible, they'll manipulate it for whatever, whatever reason, whether it's selfish or whether it's just sheer ignorance, one or the other. I'm hoping it's ignorance and not just a willful manipulation of his word, because God has a lot to say about that. And the one word is anathema, he'll be eternally damned. But um, again, I just say that as a, again as a reminder you know, um, going back, uh, back into religion rather than a relationship. Uh, they're, they're going away from faith 
and faith alone and they're gravitating to, you know, what I can see and what I can touch and what I can smell and the physical senses. They, they need that because why? There's an absence of faith in their lives. You know, if we, if we, if we have a faith in our lives, my goodness, we can go any, any, anywhere on the part of this globe and have church with him. Amen, guys? No matter where you're at. That's why we can have church in a home. We can have church out here in the woods. We can have church with one another down at the monument. No matter wherever two or three are gathered, you know right away you're having a church service going on. You know, that is the true church. And people with that kind, with that kind of an ideal, that is genuine faith. But to think that we have to go to a certain building under a certain, you know, construction or a certain way things are done in order to have church, that is such a shallow faith, shallow faith. Um, We don't need the, the noises and we don't need the certain smells. And we don't need the the senses of eye where we have to see something. No, what we need is a faith that will lead us into his presence. Because where it says that wherever two or three are gathered, there am I in in their midst. And I want to sense his presence. But without genuine faith, it's not likely you will sense that at all. Now, I'm I'm claiming this by faith. I know I'm not going to get done this chapter, but I'm claiming that it's going to take two weeks. So that, that takes a lot of faith, but trust me. Let's just start where he says now. After the last two verses, I kind of asked you to glance at, look how, you remember chapter and division breaks, not until much later. So I think the 1200 is where they started to break up what we know as the Bible into chapters. Around the 1400s, they started to divide it up into verses. There really, this shouldn't even be a chapter break here at all. Um, but they do that just to, to help us for, for addresses. But he says, now faith is the substance of things that I'm hoping for and the evidence of things not seen. You know, it, it, faith is not wishful thinking. You know, it's just, oh, I wish, you know, or... Um, it, it's it's what it literally faith it shows a reality on our part of the things that we are hoping for, and that can be a menu of things in your life. And I believe with all my heart, when those things come to mind, and you're hoping for something, you might not see it, you won't see it according to genuine faith, but you're hoping for that thing. And so the question is, well, how do I know that I'm hoping for the right things? Well, if they are biblical, then they're, they're the right things, without doubt. Are there some things that we hope for? This is the second thing. Is there some things that we hope for that aren't biblical? Yes, but they're never selfish. I remember years ago when the whole word of faith be, uh, sort of started picking up its momentum. I was standing on the front steps of this church building, and a friend of mine who had gotten saved during the Jesus People movement kind of got you know swept up with it, and he came in. And he goes, "Hey, I, I got a new car." I go, "You did? Well, that's where." Yeah, and he goes, "And it's silver, and it's got these certain wheels on it." And I'm thinking, "This is a very odd." conversation here and I go well where is it I'm looking up and down the street he goes oh it's there I said well where he goes I'm claiming it and my point was this does God want him to have a car I believe so but does God want him to have a a car out of selfish desire I don't think so I, I don't believe that at all that's the whole problem with wealth and health, that God never wants you to be poor and God never wants you to be, um, uh, you know, sick or unhealthy. Is that, if that's the case, Paul the Apostle was out of the will of God because he was neither. He wasn't rich and he was. Jesus then was out of the will of God because he didn't have two cents to rub together, didn't have a place to lay his head. So does God want to provide for us according to his riches and glory? Absolutely. He wants to provide for us. That's what the word says. Does he always want us to have health? Well, um, I'd like to think that, but no, no, not always. But whatever he allows us to go through, it will work out for his glory. And for Paul, the apostle, he had that thing three times. Please remove it. Please remove it. Please remove it. And he says, God says, no, I won't. My grace is sufficient for you. So that is in his will. Make sense? 
You got to keep the word of God the most important thing in your lives and the foundation for everything you know you know about God. It's got it has to be backed up by the scriptures. He says, so faith is the substance of these things. It's not the evidence of, I'm sorry, the evidence of things that I don't see. For by it, what? This kind of faith. For by it, the elders, their forefathers, obtained a good report. You know what it, literally what it's saying in the Greek is, by this kind of faith, they have earned a good report. The, you, 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 the whole problem with false faith will never earn anyone a good report. But li- listen, listen, someone who enters into a time of testing and trials and tribulations and they go through this time period hanging on to the hem of his garment, as it were. Someone who was saying, you know, I don't know why I've come down with this illness. I don't know why I've lost a job. I don't know why I'm going through this with my mate. But you know what? I'm hanging on. And I'm going to believe that God's going to give me this day my daily bread. I'm not even worrying about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself. That is genuine faith. And by that kind of faith, the forefathers, their forefathers, which would be uh, Abel and, and Noah and Enoch and all these forth, By that kind of faith, man, they deserve a great report. High five when we get in heaven. To walk up to, uh, to Abel and go, man, how did you ever figure out that sacrifice to come up with Enoch? You walked with God and you then were just raptured off the face. How did that happen, man? That was a high five there. They received a good report years ago. Sorry with all the stories. They just start coming in my head and I can't get them out until I tell you. So years ago, I remember a brother, man, he had, uh, he had an, an, um, cancer in his intestine. He didn't know. They went in, they took out about six feet of his intestine, and then the doctors came in. I was sitting there on the bed with him and his wife, Michelle. We were sitting there, and the doc comes in. He's, got, he's just white. He goes, listen, Bobby, I got, I got to tell you something. He goes, we just moved, removed so much cancer out of your bowels and all. He goes, this is not good. And he had his moment there. I won't tell you this guy who all of a sudden became, you know, Superman in faith. But he had his moment there. And I sat there. I put my arm around him. I said, Bobby, Bobby, let's pray. He goes, would you pray one thing, Ar? I said, what's that? He goes, just that I will do this right. He just wanted to handle it right. He wanted his kids to watch him go through this in the right way. See, that's somebody that had genuine and real biblical faith. He didn't start going, oh, then God, how are you anoint me with oil? I want to get healed. He just wanted to be able to do it right. And, and he did through that whole trial. And by the way, that was about 20, 30 years ago. And he's still with us today. So... They received a good report, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by, by the, the word of God, that the universe was created by God. So that, th- that these uh, the, uh, things which are, are seen are not made with the things uh, which do appear. In, in other words... Um, What we see now did not come from things that we do see. He's talking about Genesis chapter 1, the creation of the world. Now, when God created the world, he created the universe, he created, he spoke that thing into existence. The Hebrew word is bara, B-A-R-A. You know, that's an amazing word to follow, go through your Bible, bara. So he created that by just speaking it into existence. You know, there wasn't something where he said, let me pull this here and I'll put... Pull this here, there, and pull this here, you know. He just created it. When he created man, however, he did not create him with bara. He created him from what? The dirt of the ground. Amen, guys? Did he create Eve from just bara? Speak. No, he took the rib from the side of Adam and he created Eve. So what he's saying here, by faith, I, I, this true genuine faith, I'm believing in something even though there's nothing physically tangible I could say all this can be pulled together. So listen, and I'm not saying it's not faith, but when you start to see circumstances all being pulled together because you've been praying for just this one thing. You know, a lot of times we think when we're looking at a house, we want to buy a house. Oh, we're going to pray for the right mortgage. The right mortgage. Oh, we're going to pray for the right insurance. And we get all, and all of a sudden we have our house and we go, man, that took a lot of faith. Well, it might, well, I guess, I guess to believe that God wants you in that house, you know. 
But genuine faith would be like, no, your, your, your credit is d- dirt, you know, and there's no way anyone would give you a mortgage. And you know what? Just keep renting. And all of a sudden, somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I just bought that house for you. <laughs> now, that's faith, you know. But, gen- but, you, you, but you, well, you think of that, too, you know, you, you know, it wasn't something... Again, I'm, I got to move faster than this. My goodness, it's not even past the third verse. Um, going back to why this book was written, you know, they, that's what they were doing. They were gravitating away from true and genuine faith in Christ and redemption and the blood. Going back to, start, you know, thinking that if, if all the circumstances fall into place, like we smell the incense coming out of the Temple Mount, or we, we see the transferring of our sins into, onto a goat, and if we watch the ceremonial bathings and all, that, if we can have all that put together, and then we can just have faith in Christ, then this will work out for us. And what God is saying through the apostle here is, no, that's not faith. That is not faith. You cannot have faith in a religious work. Remember, again, Lenin Gary, the, the Latin word for religion is man's attempt to try to relink himself back to God. He's telling these Hebrew Christians, yay, 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 oh, yay. Don't go back to that thing thinking that that's going to connect you back to God. In fact, if you do that, then there's no repentance. Now, why isn't there any repentance? Well, where are they going to repent to? Repentance, metanoia. You see something, it, it doesn't click in your brain. You turn around, you got to go back to something, right? You got to go back to the cross. For them, they would gravitate right back to the sacrifice. Because as long as you're going back to the sacrificial system, you are not ever going to be forgiven. Faith in the Father. It's not faith in faith. He is not a little genie in the lamp. You know, you rub it a certain way and... Uh, And he'll pop out for you. Look at verse 4. By faith, Abel. He offers unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. And remember, don't get confused about um, the word righteous. Just the same, same way we think of the word justification. A lot of people get confused about that. Listen, righteousness means just the right on this. You know, it's the right way. It's, the, it's, the, it's God's way. And so he offers more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained a witness that he was more righteous. God testifying of his gifts. By it, he being dead, yet speaketh. You know, in other words, what, Cain, what Abel did there is still speaking to us today. That's what he's saying. That's what he means at the latter part of verse 4. He's still, this example is still speaking. So what's going on here? So, you know what? Um, I'm going to turn to it if you're quick enough. Genesis, if you want to turn there, we'll just read this quickly together. It's kind of a, should be an old friend just to really show what faith and what real sacrifice is. Let's just start with verse 1. We might as well. Adam knew Eve, his wife. She conceived, she bears Cain, and says, I have gotten a man from the Lord. That's exactly what Cain means, by the way, man-child. And she again bared his uh, brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. So one was a herder, and the other was a farmer. And in the process of time, some time went by, It came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. So he brings whatever um, crop that he had raised, probably the first fruits. Maybe it was 10 percent. We don't know. But he brings it to the Lord. Now, some have speculated that, you know, where did this where did this idea come from? We're in Genesis chapter four. Where where did the idea of sacrifice come from? I mean, it was just Adam and Eve. And now now we have. Cain and Abel bring in sacrifice. Well, a lot of people believe that um, that Abel picked up, or I'm sorry, 
that Adam picked up the idea from what God did to clothe him. So God had to, he made the first animal sacrifice to clothe their nakedness and to cover them. And that's where Abel got the idea from dad, Adam, saying, no, there's got to be a sacrifice if you want a covering. And that's, again, speculation. We don't have any, any proof of that. But now Cain, he has a different idea. He, he's going to present to God from the labors of his hands. So he's bringing him um, this, this fruit or whatever he was raising. Look at verse 4. And Abel, he also brought of the firstling of his flock and the fat, the fat thereof. So it was sacrificed. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. And so God, the word respect means he acknowledges. So it could be at this point that God's just not acknowledging Cain at all until Cain actually raises a complaint. So God is, is, is acknowledging Abel's sacrifice. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had no respect and Cain was very wroth. He became very angry and his countenance fall, fell. And I knew a lot of, I know a lot of people who have devoted themselves to a religious movement or a religious organization. And then in the middle of that, they realize they've been duped for so many years that you are justified by faith and faith of itself. And some people are very relieved, but I've, I've gone and talked to a guy, people that are very angry because they have been deceived all these years. And so you have this emotion with Cain. Now, now he's really torqued about this. He's angry. And so God's gracefulness, God says to him, unto Cain, why are you so angry and why is, is thy, thy, um, thy countenance fallen? If thou dost well, thou shalt, shall thou not be accepted? If thou dost not well, sin lies at your door and unto thee shall be his desire and thou shalt rule over him. You know, and here we go. This is the beginning of it all, man. You know, and... Uh, Instead of just saying, you know what, God, I, can, can I go back? Can I go get a raise of sheep? He doesn't. He gets offended and he just makes everything worse by murdering his brother. So go ahead back to Hebrews. You know, I think, again, what we see in Abel's sacrifice is he's such a He's, it's such a picture of, of it's, it's prophetic, actually, to understand that it's, it's going to have to be an innocent, that's what fir, uh, firstlings mean, the, the, the Yule lamb. The innocent lamb would have to die in order for them to be covered. And it's such a picture of Christ. And no wonder Paul, Paul the author here, is so adamant about don't go back. That This kind of faith that he's challenging them with goes all the way back to Genesis. It goes all the way back. And so, um, again, I think the example that we see here is uh, a, a genuine faith versus uh, just a, a physical or a human effort. And again, guys, don't want to beat up that, that horse too much, but without faith, it's impossible to please, please God. We're going to be seeing that. Now, let's look at the next one. He says, this is what faith is. By faith, Enoch was translated. He had his own little rapture going on that he should not see death and was not found. People were looking. After Enoch was uh, raptured or taken up, people were looking for him. Just like you and I, when we're raptured, people are going to go, where, where did that crazy church go? Uh, because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. Now, what do we know about Enoch? Well, the one thing we know in the New Testament is he, he pleased God. Go to, back to Genesis again. Go to chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. You would think with something like this in the hall of faith, there'd be a lot about this man by the name of Enoch, but there's not. Chapter 5, starting with verse... Uh, we'll go with verse 21. It says, Enoch lived 60 and five years. He begat Methuselah. Enoch walked with God. 
after he begat Methuselah, 300, or 300 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. Remember that, can that canopy was still above the earth, which was, was making life the expectancy a lot longer. He said, um, Enoch walked with God, and um, he was not, for God took him. And that's it. That's all you have about this guy Enoch. And, and what he, the author here is saying um, that Enoch walked with God, and, uh, and, and that's what pleased God. Um, the picture, it's a picture of the church. Some have said that the picture of the church lies within Noah. You know, judgment's coming. God puts uh, Noah and his sons and daughter-in-laws in the ship. And, but that's a picture of, of Israel, that through the tri tribulation, Jeremiah chapter 30, I believe it is, it's known as the time of Jacob's trouble. You got um, Daniel chapter 9, which is uh, uh, the 70th week, meaning the seven years of tribulation. Um, the, the Jews will be uh, covered and protected in a certain area, um, but the picture of the church is the church isn't here at all. And you have a guy who's walked with God, apparently had faith with God, and it pleased God to have that kind of a relationship. And that, that to me is more of a picture of the church than anything else. So how do we please God? Well, we please God uh, with the way we walk with him, we, the way we have fellowship with him. That's what pleases God. You know, it's not about going back under some legalistic order or something like that. What pleases God is you and I have a personal relationship. Now, listen, you, you, the church has a relationship with God. It really does. And, I, and I, my heart is, I hope that if the rapture was to happen, the majority of the church would take off. But that's not genuine faith, just to believe in your fire insurance. Please listen to me. There are so many people within Christendom today that has, they believe, they truly believe in the death, burial, resurrection. And if they were to die, they'd be in the presence of God. But that is not genuine faith. What's genuine, what's genuine faith is, is a personal relationship with him. Where you're walking, waking up in the, in the morning and the first thing you want to do is converse with him. When you're, when you're first time you, you, you confront something in, uh, during the day that you're saying, Lord, what path do you want me to take? It's a, a relationship with, with a father in heaven that loves us so much. I think there's a big difference between just a faith that just says, okay, I believe enough to get saved. But man, there is a faith like that man who is walking up and down. He read one verse in the Bible that he would give him the very ground his souls would touch. He's praying over all the souls in that church. That's the kind of faith that God desires. And it's the kind of faith that pleases God. It's, it's called fellowship faith. And I'll tell you what. I th in fact, I was talking to one of the elders at church years ago. And, and we were talking about things that disturb us in our relationship with God. And he had said this. I'll never forget this. It was so many years ago. He says, Harry, what disturbs me the most and greatly is the days I go where I don't sense his presence. And I just say, hit me like a ton of bricks. Because there are days that I can get so caught up in the pastorate. And so consumed about people's problems and problems within the church and, and the finances and all that. Where I'll go a whole day worrying about everything. And yet not even converse with my father in heaven once until I lay down my head and go, wait a minute. Lord, I haven't talked to you once today. I'm going to ask you tonight, what kind of faith do you have? Is it sort of like, sort of like the, the faith, an ambulance faith that you, know, you, only, you only reach out to him when you have an, a, a dire need in your life? Or is it, a, is it like Enoch? He walked with God. And this is what kind of faith... God was pleased with and he was and he was taken up look at verse 6 but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is that he is what be nice if he would just finish the thing you know what that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him but okay I get that latter part of verse 6 there but, but that what he is. Now remember the, the purpose of the book. 
They're eliminating true and genuine faith at a record rate. They want to go back to their senses, what they see, what they smell, what they can touch. You know, we want something tangible. And he's trying to call them back into a real genuine faith. And what is that? That you just believe that he is. Well, he is what? I kind of think that he is all that we need him to be. Not selfishly. Does God want us to have a car? I think so. Does God want us to have health? Sure, he does. But is it, it, we're not name it and claim it and having this selfish, self-centered faith. No, I think what he wants us to know is that he is all that he wants us to be. Do you remember when God uh, spoke to Moses and Moses said, okay, this is fine and dandy. You know, I got these tablets, but who do I, who do I say that's, that you are? Who should I say sent me? And he goes, okay, I am. I can see Moses. I am what? I am that I am. That's, that helps. What is genuine faith? That everyone who comes to God must believe that he is. See, I believe with all my heart there are some, some things that God so desires for our lives. You know, he never wants you to be lonely. So is he that friend that the New Testament says he's closer than a friend? You know, he doesn't want us to be confused. That's, it's, uh, Satan's the author of that. He, he does not want us to be confused. He even would say to me, I, I, I am the door. You don't have to be confused. If you enter through me. He wants us. He doesn't want us wandering around aimlessly. He wants you to know that he is your good shepherd. So whatever you need him to be, that's what you have to have faith. Are you lonely tonight? Are you despair tonight? I mean, you, you can only fill in your own blank there. It's, you know, it's a sort of like one of those. You, you answer the question any way you'd like. But what, what are you? Is he that to you? You know, when you're lonely, does he show up and do you sense his presence? I'm not saying the loneliness will go away. You might be lonely for someone in your life. You might be lonely for someone who just passed away. But when he shows up, that's genuine faith. You know, I uh, you might say, well, you know, Harry, I, I, I am. I, I really do. I I am lonely and I am confused and I. I don't have any direction in my life. And what do I do? Turn a button on? Just turn a button on and all those things will go away. No, now that second part of that verse comes into play. That he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. And you know what that word diligently literally means? Who sincerely seeks him. Who's real with him. That's what that means. You have to tell him you're lonely and you have to tell him you're hurting and you have to tell him you have this particular need in your life. And when you diligently seek for him, Jeremiah, when you seek for me with all your hearts, that's genuine faith. Look at verse seven. He brings Noah into play. Noah being warned of God of the things not (laughs) Not see, you know, every time I, I, I read this, I always think of that, that comedian, Cosby. It's probably not good to bring him up now. He's in a lot of hot water. But um, um, he had this thing, uh, this, and I remember listening to it on a vinyl when I was a kid. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. You know, remember that? Noah. And you get this thing in your mind that Noah's looking. Noah. Build an ark. Uh, what's an ark? You know, and finally he goes, it's going to rain. What's rain? Because it hadn't rained yet. You want me to build an ark? I don't know what that is. You want, it's going to rain. What is rain? You know, it's almost, you think, he's kind of arguing with God a little bit there. And then finally, got, in this comedian, he says, how long can you tread water? <laughs> you know, build the ark is the idea. But tell me that isn't genuine faith, you know, to, to step out in a journey uh, to, to do something for the Lord that you have no idea even where to start. All you know is in this genuine childlike faith, God has spoke to your heart. I want you to step out. I want you to do this thing. Just do it. And he obeyed God. 
and and again where it says by the which he condemned the world it through that example that message still speaks just like Abel it still speaks this still speaks that maybe it won't be by water this time but it'll be by fire but there is a judgment and that's the message that we receive through Noah he also became heirs of, of the righteousness, which was by faith. Talk about by faith. Did you ever hear someone saying, now look, man, I can't just believe that somebody died on the cross and that somebody went into a grave and then resurrected. You know, that's a hard pill to swallow, but it's the only pill to swallow. It's the only one. You know where it says, too, in the middle of verse 7, to the saving of his house? You know, I don't, again, folks, I, I don't know how many times I've read this, but this time through, I just wanted to highlight that to the saving of his house. And I started thinking about this. Wait a minute. I started doing the timeline. I said, wait a minute. He didn't even have a house yet. This was 20 years before his first son was even born. But here God is saying, listen, you're going to build me an ark and here's the dimensions and this is what you're going to pitch it in and this is how it's all going to work and I'm going to bring the animals. God doesn't mention his family except for here. Noah is the one who says, you know what? It's going to take a long time to build this. I might have some kids, so I better be ready so that my kids can enter into the ark as well. Talk about faith. He didn't even have any kids yet and he started this thing off. But he was going to trust that Whatever God was going to do, and whatever, pro- listen folks, this is childlike faith. Whatever God's promises were to Noah, they also were applicable to his household. Whoever they were going to be. You know, and, and again, I've, I've received a lot of criticism about households of salvation. You know, but I see it all through the Bible. I mean, we can't make it a doctrine. But when, when Jesus went to Cornelius and, you know, what do I got to, to be, or Peter, Peter says, you just got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. And so will what? Your household. Here we have Noah, childlike faith. Well, if I'm going to build this thing, never seen it, don't even know what rain is, but it sounds pretty serious. I'm going to make sure my family is able to come along with me. And I'll tell you, every parent should highlight this verse because Noah had to work hard. And he had, to, uh, he had to be a man of faith in order for his family to have safe passage into the ark, saved from judgment. So, just something to, to think about and to pray about. Um, let's just cover a little bit of Abram and then we'll, we'll stop. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should uh, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. He went out not knowing whether he went. That should be my life first. Not knowing where he went. That's a joke, folks. Um, by faith, he sojourned into a land of promise, in a strange land, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Why? For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is, is God. Very interesting. If you're a student of the scriptures, that should... I mean, we're all aware, most of us, if we've been through the Old Testament about the story with Abraham, right? Abraham, he's from Ur the Chaldee. He used to worship the sun. He was a, an idol worshiper. And God just calls him out of that. And he tells him, I want you to just leave all that you know. Again, like Noah, I want you to build something you have no idea even what it is. And with Abraham, I want you to leave the country. Well, where are we going? Don't even worry about that. Just step out and start traveling. Childlike faith. Biblical faith. Not knowing where he was going to go. You know, I think that childlike faith is sometimes just stepping out. It's, it's stepping out and, and just start moving. In the, in the, uh, the arena of faith, um, one step at a time. Um, and I, you know, guys, I, I think that, that would be an exciting journey to take. If God challenged you to do something you never seen, never heard of it before, and God says, I want you to just trust me. Or, or better yet, how about Joshua? Joshua, I want you to take, you know, Moses blew it. He couldn't go into the promised land. God buried him up on some mountain. 
But Joshua, you're going to take the children of Israel into、um, the promised land. You think that guy was a little rattled? You read that chapter, and you'll find out that four times he kept saying to Joshua, Be strong and be of good courage. Next chapter, be strong and be of good courage. Be strong. This guy was racked, man. He had a lot of issues when he stepped out and go into the promised land, knowing that the first thing he's got to face is Jericho, first major battle. But you know, when God told Joshua to step out and do this thing, he said, But before you do that, I want you to take the Levites, the priests, and I want them to step into the Jordan River first. And as soon as the sole of their foot touched the Jordan River, man, that thing parted and it became dry ground. And my point is this, guys no matter if it's a Noah, like you, God challenging you to do something you never heard of before, or maybe you're an Abraham where he just says, I want you to step out one step at a time. You're going into a land that you've never been before. It's just one step at a time. And, uh, You'll see, the, you'll see the rivers dry up. You'll, see, you'll just see things parting for your lives, you know, to go through. And、uh, notice, notice too, verse 10, and Sean, if you'll make your way out. Let me try to hook verse 10 up with all this. Notice that God tells him to go into a land that he's never heard about, a land that、um, is a strange land. And even, his, even the ancestors after him will, will dwell in tabernacles, tents, just like him. But, it's, but verse 10 is odd. For he looked for a city which foundations, and,、uh, which foundation, whose builder and maker is of God. And, and here's the only picture that I can come up with, and I'll, come up with and I'll try to paint it for you. You know, we'll use Noah. Okay, Noah, I want you to build a boat, I want an ark, and I, I, it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. And、uh, you know, I know you don't know anything about it, but there is a language that goes along with this, and it's called faith. That's the, that's the language of eternity. Just, just faith. You've got to have faith. And, jo- and then you've got、uh, Abraham. You know, Abraham, I'm going to send you into the land, but you just have to step out and start going. And again, that is a language. But you know what the motivating factor to do this was? They knew that God had some eternal factor involved in this thing. I'm going because I know that it's more than just a promised land. And for Noah, I'm going, but I know that it's more than just being delivered from God's judgment. Abel, I know I'm going to sacrifice the right thing because there's an eternal value to this thing. See, that, that's the language. Of faith, guys. That's, that's you know, what, what, they could not enter into the promised land because of their what? Their unbelief. Jesus could do no mighty miracles among them because of what? A lack of belief, lack of faith. Now, why is it the church is so sick today and lethargic? You can't do any mighty miracles among them because they got a real warped idea of what genuine childlike faith is. Make sense? So listen, why don't you stand with me? We'll see how far we can get next week. Ultimately, guys, this, this journey that you and I are on today, we can continue on this path one step at a time, one day at a time, because we know we have a, a foundation and a, and a And the builder is, and maker is God. Amen? We have a city. And we can move in this direction of real, genuine, and childlike faith because heaven's just on the other side. It's not about selfish faith, it's not what God can do for me. I don't know. If you are thinking, what can I get from God, out of God, you might want to check. Kind of faith that you really do have in him. Give us this day just our daily bread. Amen, guys? Father, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you, Father, that without faith it isn't impossible to please you. We look at Enoch and we see what, what pleased you was that he had the faith just to walk with you every day. You were pleased with the.、Uh, 
Abel's sacrifice, you acknowledged it because it spoke of a covering. And Father, we want that kind of faith. I, I think of that, that incident in the Bible, you know, do you see? You know, I see men as trees walking and then you had to touch them again and then he saw everything clearly. If we just need your touch on our lives again, would you do that? When Jesus asked the gentleman, do you believe? Yes, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Father, please increase our faith. Not worldly faith or selfish faith. Godly faith. Selfless faith, not selfish faith. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.